0: Hello and welcome to PMI's uncommon sense podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, managing partner with PMI. Our uncommon sense podcast is a 15 minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business learning more about the tools which can help you succeed and grow. Today, I'm joined by Barry Byrne, Director Consultant for PMI. Barry, it's great to have you back.
1: Yes, lovely to be back again. Thank you.
0: So today we're going to talk about engaging stakeholders. Yes. And this is something that we talk about quite early on in many of the projects and improvements that we're doing. But I think it'd be really useful for us to talk, first of all, about that, you know, your definition of a stakeholder,
1: who are they? Yeah, so I mean, it's a great question. I, it seems to me that the word stakeholders is, is, is devalued in many ways because I get a sense so stakeholder seems to be this very high level executive investing, shareholding type person, position, function, body, Well, actually... It's something much more profound and more fundamental and important for, for green belts and black belts, anyone in and around improvement. And I suppose the best definition is, as as we think system and we're looking at system improvement, anyone who's in and around the system are affected by the system clearly would be classified as, as stakeholders. So the owners, customers, suppliers, employees, um, and of course the community within which the the, the clients that we work with are in and serving. The good thing about considering stakeholders and the definition of stakeholders, it also includes those who are outside this system but still are looking in. Uh-huh. So really important that we, we look at that holistically rather than, you know, be swayed by often this sense that it's it's this higher level, this sort of hierarchical thing, which it isn't.
0: Okay. And, you know, the risk of staging the obvious. So right. why
1: do we need to consider the stakeholders? So... There is no question that the problems that we see our clients looking to resolve are systemic in nature. They have multiple potential root causes that are, that are systemic lots and lots of different areas in the business. So as a consequence of that, it seems to be common sense to make the connection with building system-wide relationships. In order to be able to to get under the skin of those, so it's important that we need to build a constituency within our organizations our businesses that help us understand and who would be influenced by and influence that system and the changes that we're promoting so that's what we're looking to do. I think the key thing is is developing these systemic relationships
0: so first steps presumably are around identifying who these. Stakeholders should be for for the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, it is, and I think this is important to take time out and and you know typically we're looking at the broadest view based on our knowledge. But it goes without saying that we would engage other people within the business, HR, finance, and so on and so forth, in order to get the best possible understanding of this constituency. You know who are the players in this business, who may be influenced by or who may influence the change that we're proposing. And as I said before, those who may be outside the change but can still can still have some impact. So it's really important that we get an understanding of that because in order to deal with the systemic challenges and the systemic problems that we face, you know, we need to use the potential of those stakeholders in the different areas of, of the business of interest.
0: So we've got we know who they are. Yes. And let's say we've built something we might call a stakeholder map, so you know who they are, the areas of the business, as you've mentioned could be customers, etc., who are going to be influential to, in supporting us. Now we need to engage with them. And we okay. typically need a process for that, I'm, well I'm we,
1: we do. And we like our holding position, you can head the dissensus. <laughs> um initial approach is to is is to form theories on who those stakeholders might be and and the relative level of influence that they can exert. Or the relevant level of influence that may impact them. So generating the the, the system app or that analysis of that system means that we can identify at the top level clearly, you know, who are the key players, those who move and shake, those who typically would be the driving force behind change, who also have hierarchical accountabilities. So typically we would be seeing them as the, as the movers and shakers. And In order then to get a truly holistic view of that stakeholder community, we need to also understand those that are in the informal but nonetheless influential. So, again, moving away from this thought that it's just the most senior executives in the hierarchy, we need to look at all of that. Now, the one caution flag I will apply here is this, that our initial view of the organization in terms of stakeholders and the relative influence And importantly the support they will bring to bear is a theory it's a perception and we need to remember that it's a perception our perception may be that a specific area of the business a specific community a specific function a specific individual if you will may well resist this change based on prior knowledge based on experience and that's natural however the reality is we could be wrong and so consequently the process itself is is well documented But it is caveated with this flag. Our initial theories are perceptions. Our perception that this individual dysfunction may respond positively, constructively, or may not, or may be seen to resist. Because after all, what we're looking to do is we're looking to engage in the most appropriate way so that we can release the latent potential Uh. in all of those people that we've identified, you know, consequently, although I may be over-egging this, this, this orchestra and conductor, you know, we're looking to conduct this orchestra, but we need to understand what music are we playing and consequently what sort of skills do we to these musicians have in order for us to get a successful outcome. But there is no doubt that avoiding understanding and recognising the strategy to deal with resistance maybe ambivalence as well as championing unfortunately well, makes the, the whole process of delivering improvement that much more difficult. And we know this from from work as as we know the hamburger model and, and and Jack Gibb. You know, it isn't it isn't enough for us to articulate a compelling vision of what the future might look like. And we know today that is more difficult. Yeah. It's it's more difficult to satisfy everyone in terms of the demands that they would have on particular change. What is really important, though, irrespective of what our future might look like, people need that reassurance, that confidence and comfort that they can safely transit to this new world, this change that we're proposing. And I think it's the second bit that is so critical and why it's something that we really need to do pretty much right up front in our improvement approach.
0: Now, I can imagine being in a situation, you know, and I have been in situations where I mean, like you say it's a perception that somebody might not necessarily be a champion It's not easy to then be brave enough to go and face into that. is yeah. it what advice would you give to people in that situation
1: well, well we, we and, and certainly I, I will tend for those who know have worked with me I, I will tend to use the three simple words engage, involve and listen and 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 you're right. I mean we will all have our own angst, our own concerns, our own foibles, and naturally, if we have a perception that someone may well be resisting, indeed hostile to this particular change. You know, it sort of behoves us to, t- to think about the approach before we set out. And of course, we need to move out from this position of believing it to be true that this person is resistant, but actually to check our theory, is this valid? I think I can say over my career, I have gotten that wrong.
0: <laughs> I have definitely
1: got it wrong. And, and, you know, I think we can tend to be deal with sensitivity around resistance if it's perceived and test it. I think what we also need to recognize is assuming someone would champion the work and they don't, I think can be equally debilitating. Yeah. So my mantra will always be consider it before you do it. Yeah. Think about it. It is important that the vocabulary we use and the approach we take at least alleviate some of the concern that may well be true for that particular person. We're often up, are focusing in on what is it what does this mean for me? What exactly is the relevance and appropriateness for what it is that we're proposing? How does that affect me, my my family, my community, my well being, my welfare. You know, this this thing about predictability. So as as well as the process, I think it also behoves us to know something about the person that we're engaging with. Yeah. You know, and something that I learned very early in my career was know the people that you're leading it in order to be at least best informed. But even then, human nature, the beauty of life is its variety. <laughs> and of course, we cannot always predict. So I think I think sensitivity, you know, tact and diplomacy in terms of our approach, such that, you know, we're considering what is the most relevant and appropriate approach for the individual. And, and I think it stood me in good stead to think of that as unique engagements. Yes. Uh because I I have on more than one occasion never felt to be surprised at what I've heard in the approach. Mm. Either better than I imagined or in some cases not as good as I imagined. But consequently I would like like to believe that I've left some room, some latitude to be able to enhance the the, the, um, the engagement. My definition of success at that first level engagement is, is that there's a shared commitment to talk again. Yes. We're not in the business of converting. This isn't about overcoming resistance. This is about influencing, increasing people's readiness to change. I can't change anyone. I've no, I haven't. I think we can, can we can create the environment within which they feel safe to test that. But it's very different approach to increasing readiness of that individual to face into and prepare themselves for that change than it is to. I think may well be seen to be a softer, easier path, with is to overcome the resistance by variety me.
0: I really appreciated also what you were saying earlier about sort of tact diplomacy and the whole piece around the difference between working with a stakeholder and telling them what you need from them as opposed to asking the stakeholder what you can do for them.
1: Yes, yes. I think that's really important. And, and you know, I think, you know, we're dealing with adults. They're mature yeah. people, a latent potential. And I so often releasing that potential from What are, you know, operators of processes who have huge skills? This, you know, treating them in that way and respecting that they have an opinion and often they have been victims of, I think it's really important to understand that. There is a a point, clearly, you know, that that we need to go on the data that's made available to us. I think it's important to treat others as we would expect to be treated. Um, And I often will put myself in their shoes. How would I feel? How would I feel if I was in that situation? And I think as the more we go through a career and the the more mature we are in years, you know, I look back on occasions when I now understand the motivation of people who were seen to be resistant and were dealt with as resistors. In
0: summary, Barry, your final words on engaging stakeholders:
1: what would your top tips be to people to remember? My top top tips have to be, and I'll repeat this mantra: is is think about it before you do it take time out to consider the broadest possible community who may be influenced by and be part of or or may be implicated in some way as a result of the output or the outcomes. I think there's also an importance that the process is to seek to understand the needs and expectations of that community but we also have to be pragmatists that you know no one should expect to get be completely satisfied by everything that's going to happen. Um, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a rational, logical, and probably the safest approach to take. But being explicit in terms of my preparedness, in terms of what I am prepared to do, but also being as explicit in terms of what I would want the stakeholder to do. So we so so there is no ambiguity in terms of that approach.
0: Thank you very much, Perry. That was really great. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more episodes of our Uncommon Sense tools to improve your work forever in our Knowledge Hub on our website, or, of course, your favorite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode, where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs, and infographics, and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organization. We'd really love to hear from you.